0: Welcome to 2Deep Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, it is game week, we think. Why don't you give us the cheers and get us kicked off? Well, that's that's it. I mean, it's once again, this is the second
1: time that we've kind of gone through our, our notes on game week, but this one, I feel, I feel pretty confident that it's going to happen. Um, but I... I I don't know if I want to do a cheers just to that. I mean, we could do that. And then there's some other kind of positive news that came out today. Let's just kind of throw it out to a few different things. I think Dax came out and was talking a bit about um, Jenkins, who we'll talk about in the Rover position uh, Mm -hmm. today, said really positive things about him, how he was going to be a stud. Um, There was some news about, um, I think it was Brock Hoffman and he came out during one of the press releases and said, you know some nice news that might be happening for for the game um, with everything that you know he's gone through. So I'll just say like let's just keep it all positive vibes. If we all just stay positive through Friday and through Saturday, then maybe by Saturday night we'll we'll end up having a game. but I will not believe it until, Forget the punt, like, I think we have to get through, like, the first quarter, and then I'll believe that it's actually happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. Cheers, man. Yeah, Fuente said he's taking it day by day, and uh, we're going to do the same. He did say, and I quote, we will not have a full roster versus NC State, and we don't know what that means. I don't think he knows what that means yet, but he was pretty affirmative in the idea that guys will be missing due to COVID-19 protocols. Um, And he's emphasized that again and again, that he's concerned about where they're going to be and how ready they're going to be because who they've been missing. So that does, at least for me, took a little bit of the wind out of my sails uh, this week. And over the past two weeks, just dealing with the UVA postponement and then hearing that, I don't know if it's just... A really great job of coach speak and tempering expectations, or if it's 100% honest. I I, I was going to
1: follow up whether you went that direction or not. I don't think this is coach speak. Uh, you know, we've given a lot of criticism to Fuente, the Virginia Tech program, about, and it still will continue about media access and transparency and those sorts of things. Um, but ever since, and we referenced it on prior podcasts about him coming out and saying, you know, he feel felt like they had lack of direction, what they're supposed to be doing, all of those sorts of things. Um, you know, there was the post from, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, David Hale uh, said that, you know, I'm not one to judge character, but based on the way that I saw Fuente, he looks really tired and just really worn out from this whole thing. <laughs> he sure thing. does. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think it's coach speak at this point. I think it's just, Yeah, we don't have to always look for like the underlying meaning of something. Maybe he's just being honest. Like, this is really tough. We don't know if we can play. He we know that there are players out. We know that Dax said today that he had COVID. He said that on on the media press conference. Previously, Um, yes. He's fine now. Yeah. He's fine now, but he said he he had it. So like these aren't kind of like, you know, BS things. There's there's real stuff going on. So and I I, I agree with
0: that. Yeah. I I don't think it's it's too much gamesmanship and he just looks like a guy who's like i just don't know what's know. gonna happen this week And he's he, not just day by day but test by test is how he put it too is that hey we got two more tests this week leading up to friday and um hopefully you know our guys are are good to go he did say on tech talk live and i had not heard the specific thing that once you've had covid you're clear for 90 days
1: oh i and didn't I, know that
0: yes yeah, so like if you had it, as soon as you're done with your quarantine, you're clear for 90 days, no matter what. And I, I, I don't, that's the first time I heard it, but if you go into contact tracing, you could go in, quarantine, come out, go back in the next day, yeah. like depending on who you've been in contact with. So it's honestly, and this was the thing we were joking about over the summer, um, Sabin and Dabo and those teams getting a lot of COVID cases over the summer, like- that was really shrewd by Saban and Tabo giving all their guys COVID over the summer. Cause now they're, at least they were clear for a while and yeah. you know, maybe that would get the outbreak past the team. But the 90 day thing is at least, you know, Dak's going to be around.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that, but that's um, yeah, that's really insight. And the the contract or the contact tracing was always kind of the rub and that's what we talked about before. So that's interesting to know that if, if you have confirmed that you had it, that um, you're clear for for 90 days.
0: Well, let's get into the uh, too deep that the team put out the other day. It's our the namesake of the podcast, so it's only fitting that we kind of break this thing down. There were some interesting observations. What, what was your number one takeaway from the 2Deep that they put out? I knew you were going to start that way. So I think <laughs> I, want, I was trying to pick which one
1: you were going to pick. Yeah. Um, and then the most obvious ones, you know, so I want to stray away from, I think for me, it was Tenuta, um at, at right tackle over Nestor as, as the starter. That was, I tried to go like a one step, one deviation off of like the most obvious one.
0: Uh, with some of the <laughs> I like other, it. Yeah. Now, and you know I love kind of toying with who's going to start on the offensive line, and that definitely drew my attention in terms of Nestor being at tackle period mm-hmm. I thought was fascinating because he played right guard last year. Yep. Um, My thought with that is Tanuta was going to be the starter over Silas, and they moved Silas inside to right guard, and he's the backup behind Hudson. And I think that's much better for Silas, his mobility – uh, his weight, I think he's a better right guard than he is tackle. And Tenuta has stepped up to be the starter. Nestor, I think, I think Nestor, they're kind of grooming to be the left tackle next year because I, like I think Darisol is going to the draft. Yeah. I, I don't know that for a fact, but he's old enough to. And I, I have a feeling that Darisol could be, we see his pro football focus scores over the last couple of years. Like he's a sensational player, and if he leaves – Nestor easily will step right into that left tackle role or Tanuta, whoever they want to move over there. And you have the other guy on the other side. So I did think that was interesting though, because I didn't expect Nestor to be playing tackle this year.
1: I loved when it came out and a lot of people, a lot of people have taken their eye off of football a little bit, obviously. So because it's, it's been, it's been tough to get into the season. Now we can get really pumped up for it. So it was fun to hear, you know, Twitter posts, message board posts about when people actually got to see it finalized, not finalized, I shouldn't say that, but as the preliminary too deep to see how deep the um, offensive line is. Everybody getting juiced up about that, the size, the talent, all those sorts of things. It's really
0: exciting. Yeah, Most of the other stuff was expected. Hoffman starting at center and and Lasita starting at left guard with Cannon backing him up, but uh, but yeah, it should be a great unit. Some other things I, I took note of was Caleb Smith stepping up and grabbing that starting spot at wide receiver. Uh, you had Tavion Robinson and Trey Turner, the obvious selections at the other two spots, but you had Caleb beating out Changa Hodge, and then you actually had Evan Fairs, the six-foot-three wide receiver, backing up Tavion in the slot. Now, I don't know if that actually means fares is going to be a slot or they were just putting the top six wide receivers on this list, but nevertheless fares made the two deep. Yep. Uh, moving to uh, linebacker uh, Dax and Tisdale are sharing that or designation once again.
1: Yeah. So I think the, you know, the commentary is whether that backer is going to be a rotation. Some of the people, and I think you had talked about this a little bit, maybe in the off season of that actually, you know, happening once again, whether it was going to be a rotation based on scheme, based on talent, whatever the case may be. But it wasn't totally unexpected, but now we're getting to see it in print that uh, there's an or designation between those two. So there's going to be some sort of rotation that's going on, uh, at least at that position.
0: Before we get to the more unexpected things, uh, I wanted to say that Herbert did grab that number one running back role. We expected that. Mm-hmm. But they had four total running backs listed in our 2D that we put out. On our Twitter page, we had Blackshear backing up Tavian in the slot. Here he was just listed as the backup running back, with Holston and King getting that or designation at a running back. But those four guys—I mean, that's so much talent, so many different uh, skill sets there. I, I can't wait to watch these guys behind this big offensive line. But on the defensive side, in the back end, is where we got a couple shockers.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit of little bit of uh, new news here for
0: everybody. <laughs> Keontae Jenkins is the starting Rover, which I thought we were going to be calling that the boundary corner this year, but it's still listed as Rover on the two deep that tech put out and backing him up is a fellow true freshman and LaKeem Rudolph. So Jenkins has gotten tons of praise since he got to camp. I'm not that we've seen any of it, but everything people talk about his maturity, his length, his playmaking ability. Dax talked about it, as you said, uh, it's all good stuff, but he is a true freshman and the backup being a true freshman. I I thought we were going to see J.R. Walker in that spot.
1: Yeah. You and I talked about that on the last podcast that, and I think it was one of the last things that we said before we went off and said, you know, who do you think it's going to be? And we said it was, it was going to be Walker and we are, we were wrong or maybe we are just wrong for the moment, but yeah. um, Yeah. Two true freshmen playing that position. So we'll see what happens there. I think it speaks a lot to, a lot of the lip service that's been paid to Jenkins and his talent, as you, mm-hmm. as you've said, but it, it's it's a little bit concerning. Like I'm not I'm excited in some ways that we have that kind of talent on the team that somebody can step into that role, but you you can't objectively look at it and say that um, you feel totally comfortable with with that.
0: I'm gonna go out on a limb and, and say that. I feel like Walker's one of these guys that had to have been tied up in a quarantine or something. Because it's hard for me to, to believe with what I've heard about him that he wouldn't have been a starter. But he's backing up Jamari Connor at Whip, so that that's a very strong position now, I think. Uh and that was because Peoples got hurt. So there was a spot behind Connor at, at Whip. So The last thing, I guess, is Armani Chapman did beat out Devin Taylor, at least on this sheet, for the starting corner opposite Jermaine Waller. You had Brian Murray as the other backup. So... Yeah, we're a little thin in the back end for sure because beyond those corners and the guys we, those are all the guys that I know. You know, <laughs> like like we, all of the guys that I know in the secondary, like they're listed on this too deep. So I'm not sure if there's anyone left.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: at least anybody
1: that we've seen take the field and actually, right. and, and 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 two of them we've never seen take the field. So uh, outside of high school, so uh, I totally agree. It it raises some some more questions about the back. But it. It kind of ties in because we're going to pivot over and what's coming up here. That back end now is become more concerning now that I just see it on paper a little bit. And now, even though I'm, I love Waller, I love Chapman, Connors, a, you know, great Jenkins. There's been a lot of praise about it. It does give a little bit of uh, hesitancy there. And then we know what's a lot of concern on the defensive line, uh, especially coming into the game that we're about to talk
0: about. One thing I wanted to bring up was the possibility of Braxton Burmeister playing this weekend. It's something both you and I have seen in a variety of places online that uh, Hooker might be another one of the guys that kind of got caught up in, in a COVID quarantine or whatever. We don't know the specific details, but there's been a lot of buzz that when we snap the ball on Saturday night, it could be Braxton Burmeister behind center. Yeah.
1: And again, I think we always try and be careful with what's just rumor out there and what's factual. There was a lot of rumors about when the Virginia game was the night before the Virginia game got postponed, that those weren't even rumors. People actually knew it hit Twitter, like people were putting out posts and it was more just upset faces and you kind of already knew what was going to happen. And then the next morning game got postponed this has been one probably standard deviation away from that, I guess, in the where I've read it from. But there, there's at least a little bit of smoke around, you know, Hooker potentially being one of those people um, that is either in or coming out of his quarantine. And that could mean that he just hasn't had enough practice. You know, he could be fully healthy as of today or tomorrow or Thursday, whatever the case may be, but he just hasn't been able to take reps with people. So um, I'm... I don't know what's going to happen, but it makes me feel really good about at least the conversation about Braxton Burmeister and what he's been able to do and how he was pushing Hooker. It, it would be, we I feel a lot better than I would be if we didn't even know what was going to be coming behind him in terms of a quarterback, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, we know our coach feels strongly about Burmeister and that he's got a skill set that fits the offense, so yeah, it could be worse, uh, but this is something that will come up Throughout the podcast, of just we don't know who we're gonna see. Don't don't let anything in terms of who steps on the field first on Saturday night surprise you, because we could see Changa Hodge playing corner. Like we re- yeah. we really don't know what's gonna happen. They've been cross training the guys to deal with the COVID concerns, and you might see guys playing the wrong side of the football on saturday
1: yeah and if they have the same number you're going to be even more confused so let's hope uh, that doesn't pop up you're like wait that's
0: a no oh wait it's yeah <laughs> um so let's get into some of the stuff that happened on the field in the other games this past saturday uh we saw ucf take on georgia tech and GT was keeping that thing close for a while. I took UCF to cover and ultimately they did, but the final score wasn't indicative of how close that game was.
1: Yeah, it was it was good. They they played pretty well. I did hear you know a lot of positive praise and I didn't I didn't watch that game specifically a lot of positive praise for, you know, the UCF and and that team and um you know their quarterback and I'm forgetting his name is 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 obviously really Gabriel. really good. Yeah. Um but you know uh, we may have a little bit more, um, more of a fight in that team than we thought would be in in kind of year two from from GT. So, um, but overall, um, you were on the right side of of the pick at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we had some other results. Uh, ND squashed USF. Yeah, uh, got that cover there. Pitt beat Syracuse, but it was tighter than um, than Vegas was thinking. BC smashed Duke, which that was. Um, Duke was like a six-point favorite going into that game, and I did like BC. I didn't think they were going to win twenty-six to six.
1: Yeah, that one was really surprising. And I, a lot of people that were starting to pick lines for this upcoming week are a little bit worried about overshooting the hype around you know BC just because of that game, and maybe Duke's not really that good, and the quarterback you know just had one good game, and mm-hmm. it's not going to really play out. And I know you were suspect on uh, what Cutcliffe's team was going to be able to put out there this year and it looks like you uh you might be right um at least if we our expectations about what bc actually is as we find out with more games uh plays Mm -hmm. out
0: yeah it's funny how your your takes can can swing within the week because last week my duke take wasn't looking so good and this week it's like yeah maybe maybe bryce isn't that good and maybe duke's pretty bad. Uh, but there were some turnovers for Duke that like that that game got a little bit more out of hand than it than it should have probably. Yeah. But nevertheless, that that new quarterback for BC, the Notre Dame transfer Jerkovic, yeah. he looked he looked real good.
1: Yeah, he did. And it's, you know, it's been a while since BC has had somebody they can rely on at that position. So,
0: we'll see. And then you had Miami uh beating Louisville and and honestly, and not being that competitive, especially late. And NC State holding on to beat Wake Forest, and we're going to obviously talk a lot about NC State, but let's go back to that Miami game. What were your thoughts coming out of that game?
1: Yeah, I was glad that my what I saw on screen, what, what I anticipated for the game, I thought Louisville was going to be much more competitive. They were not, and it looked a lot worse than even probably the final score. And what I mean by that is I came away from that game in my own opinion, before I listened to a million podcasts this week, you know, just coming on Sunday, thinking about it, Miami looked big. Their defense looked fast. Like they looked powerful. And I kept being like, dude, they have some like really big athletic dudes that actually know how to play and are in the right position and making plays. I'm not, you know, we're not going to joke around about the whole, you know, back being back thing. I just think that, they looked really, really good in that game. Um, and um, obviously their QB, you know, he can throw the ball as well as run it. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, Miami has a way of doing these things. But the the team and the talent and the players that I saw on the field look really, really good for Miami.
0: Yeah, they they definitely looked like clearly the better team. At times you would see Tutu Atwell make an amazing play. You're like, okay, Louisville can hang. And then their defense was just so bad yeah, and Miami but... was just shredding it. So I don't know how much of that is Louisville, how much of that is Miami, but it certainly seemed um, equal parts, both <laughs> like the yeah. uh, Miami looked real good and Louisville looked real bad on defense. And, and man, uh, Derek King, you hinted at it. Like he didn't have a strong game against UAB throwing the ball, but he was putting it in, in spots this past game and he can run to the thing about, king will be can he hold up physically uh because you know he's a mobile guy he likes to run the football and he takes some shots yeah. and at houston he was able to get by doing that and i'm not saying that the aac is a massive step down from the acc but the defensive line guys in the acc are bigger and stronger and will put a hurting on a mobile quarterback so the thing about miami is they got to keep him healthy And that, that's going to be the, that's the only thing I feel like that will really slow them down. And I'm not like, (laughs) Miami's not back (laughs) in in the BAK way, but uh, they're going to be a problem this year. I I definitely, am starting to think that.
1: Yeah. And the upfront players on the defensive line look really, really good for Miami and really strong. And and so did the linebackers. It was just, they were, they were all over. And
0: dude, that one linebacker is like six, five, the transfer kid. Yes. Yeah.
1: And they were swarming to the ball. It's, you know, we used to see and not to go too long in that game, but it's important for Virginia Tech as well is that normally you would see like Miami players taking a playoff. They didn't really care. Like even like as soon as they got down, like in the dumps, do they are like really really high energy? So the it it feels a little bit like a different team, but I don't want to read too much into
0: it. They, but they yeah, look because at... it is it is early season Miami. Yeah, and Miami will be tested at some point, and how they react to that test is what we'll see. Because they play Clemson what in two weeks? They got yeah. FSU and then Clemson. Yeah, we'll see how they react to the Clemson game. Because if you remember when they were riding high and they were like ten and zero or whatever. Um, they lost and then the whole thing fell apart for two straight years. So we'll see how they respond to adversity. But right now, yeah, that was a big win, really big win, And they're probably going to smash FSU this weekend. Yeah, definitely. All right. So for the AP poll, we were number 20th again, uh, still no big 10 teams in there. Still seven ACC teams. Miami moved up to 12 and UNC moved up to 11. Um, And I guess that's it for the news and notes. Did you have anything else?
1: No, that was it for me.
0: Well, let's take a minute to uh, talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. Downtown Crown is in Gaithersburg, Maryland. It's right in the Downtown Crown Shopping Center, so it's hard to mistake. If you Google it, you'll find it. It's right off 270. And our friend of the podcast, Arash Tafkour, he has a great setup there. You can it's essentially a bar we've talked about it many times they've got curbside pickup for those of you who are worried about the virus but if you're not you can go there sit outside have a drink and it's the same thing down at dominion wine and beer beautiful outdoor setup the weather is perfect right now it's the first day of fall and today was gorgeous in the jersey area how was it down there
1: the same it was beautiful just a little good drinking weather yeah a little bit of crisp air out there and if you listen to the podcast and then you go there and they don't have a beer, then you can go up to a rash and be like, dude, what are you doing? They had this on too deep, but you can't get it in the store. You can <laughs> you can kind of give them a jab to the side. But um, no, it's it's perfect weather for, you know, hitting a place like that, going to sit outside, having a few beers and getting ready for Saturday.
0: And I know historically, uh, their inventory changes all the time, but they've always had a fantastic selection of pumpkin beers at these places. And now is the time to be buying your pumpkin beer because come October, it will be all gone. I, I guarantee you that if it's not all gone already. So I remember back in the day, Dominion was carrying the Aleworks pumpkin ale, which I think was my all-time favorite of one I had on the podcast. Uh and that's a Virginia brewery, so yep. they, they carry they used to carry that at Dominion. They probably have it, but uh, but yeah, those places check their Instagram. You can find them, and I'll I've tweeted out their their pages and their handles, and I'll do it again. But you got to follow them on Instagram because you'll always know the latest stuff that they have.
1: Pete's long on uh, on futures on pumpkins and pumpkin <laughs> beers. Uh, in case you wanted to he was in on pork bellies and that kind of stuff but then you decided to just go like you know I'm
0: I'm long on pumpkin beer so uh, I've got a he's, case he's heavily of, invested in it of pumpkin beers in the basement Now man I, I do love pumpkin beer and you know I always try to hold off on drinking them on the podcast until October I don't know if I'm gonna make it that far this year we might get some next week but for right now I want to know what you're drinking all right so I'm drinking the coastal
1: love hazy IPA this is a wicked weed Brewing company, which we might get some backlash on, because I believe Wicked Wicked Weed was bought by Budweiser. I think might have been. It might have been Anheuser Busch. Uh, It it was yeah, it was InBev back in I don't know. This would have been like four or five years ago. But it was prior to that a very well known, um, you know, kind of craft brewery in the area that ended up selling out. So people may not like to hear this. It's delicious. This is a great Heizy canned IPA. Um, I don't know if we've ever had it on here. Maybe you've had it. Uh, it's six point three percent, so it's not it's not too overpowerful. It's got that nice citrus flavor to it, um, and it's delicious. The, the artwork's got that coastal vibe going on, and it's it's giving me the yeah, last like feeling. What's it called again? It's the Coastal Love hazy okay. IPA. And, um, it's giving me my last feelings of what's well, summer. Cause now we're, we're in fall. So I, I want one more just to make me feel like I could, uh, you know, enjoy the summertime.
0: Wicked Weed was a fantastic brewery. And I hate to say was, cause obviously you love that beer, but when things get bought like that, it, it always turns the beer nerds off, right? Yep. <laughs> like, they don't, Every they don't time. like the things to be bought by the, the mass, uh, Brewers and stuff, but well,
1: uh I had heard wh- that they actually they got um they the, they have like all these big Brewers conferences I know that because my cousin owns a brewery down in Florida that I've mentioned on the the podcast and uh, I had heard, he came up to D.C. to go to a brewer's conference. I had heard at some of the like big craft brewery conferences that Wicked Weed wasn't allowed to come. So they, try, they tried to go after they got oh, bought. Oh, man. And um, the craft brewers that you alluded to get a little bit uh, heated after you get bought out by the big dudes. Uh, and When we had
0: gone them. down to the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, me and you shared a hotel room, and all the bars were serving tons of Wicked Weed back then, and yep. we were drinking it all weekend, I feel like. That's right. I am drinking the other half Center. It's C E N T R E, so it's fancy. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> other half. One of the beers that you can grab at Downtown Crown or Dominion. Uh, they do. They're coming down from New York and and they're trying to get a bigger presence in the area. And I think they're opening the tap house in DC soon yep. enough. It's from Brooklyn, uh, but this Center is an Imperial IPA and it is fantastic. Uh, it's extremely hazy. You can't see through it at all. Um, just your typical Imperial Hazy IPA, but man, it's delicious. The center from other half. Let's hop into this NC State preview. We play them at 8 p.m. on Saturday night, ACC Network, everyone's favorite channel. I think my wife is already tired of the ACC Network commercials. <laughs> <They are laughs> Something I didn't experience redundant. last year. I'd heard how bad they were, but it's really bad.
1: Yeah, and they play a lot of them like repeatedly, like it's the same four or five commercials. Oh, I feel like yeah. so, even bad commercials. When you get some variety, you can deal with. But like you're like, oh, it's this commercial again.
0: It's over and over and over again. But anyway, eight o'clock game. You got to wait all day, but it's kind of cool to have a night game. Last year, NC State went four and eight, and they went one in seven in ACC play. It was their worst year in six years. They had five straight winning seasons prior to that. So it was a little bit of out of character for Dave Doran, even though he hasn't been the most loved coach down in Raleigh. Their wins last year were ECU, WCU, which is Western Carolina, Ball State, and Syracuse. It was a very tough year. They had a lot of injuries, and so this year, it's kind of a big one for Doran, and I wouldn't say anyone is necessarily on the hot seat in a covid year, but he's got kind of an easy schedule if he doesn't perform at least decently well he could be gone
1: yeah they they're they're getting fed up and have been fed up a little bit about the performance and last year did not help so coming into this year, I think if it was like any other year with a normal schedule that wasn't too difficult um with with any sort of lackluster performance in the minds of the fans, he'd be gone. So this one's going to be a, you know, we'll see how they perform. We'll see how they do on the season. But it's, you know, regardless, if they have even a mediocre season, it's probably 50-50 if they just ride it out for another year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they brought in five new coaches to help deal with whatever happened last year, including a new offensive coordinator, Tim Beck, yep. and a new defensive coordinator who's kind of taking over the position in Tony Gibson. So they're trying to address their their shortcomings. Um, and I mentioned the schedule. No Clemson, no Notre Dame, no Louisville. And they get Miami and FSU at home. Yeah. So their only tough games on the road are us and UNC. And so it's all the things have aligned for them to have a solid year. They got to start off against Wake a week after Clemson. So (laughs) that's already a nice start for them because they didn't play yet. They were fresh and you could debate the merits of not playing a game and playing a game. And some people would say it's better to play, but they came in fresh and they looked fresh. They kind of, they wiped the floor with wake early.
1: Yeah. And they had their backs up against the wall because they had lost three prior to this against wake. And that's an in-state rivalry game. That's a big game. You know, I, sometimes we, we, you know, look at things from such a national perspective with the playoff these days. You don't really think about what that means, but it means a lot for Virginia Tech and UVA. Who has the Commonwealth Cup? Who doesn't? Those those games mean a lot. And they had lost three in a row. So, and they got
0: smashed last year by Wake. Yeah, like
1: Wake just destroyed them. Yeah, um, demolished them. So I, they had a lot riding on this game, um, regardless of who had an advantage by having one
0: game earlier or not. Uh, there was a lot. There was a lot on this one. Their projected S&P prior to the season was 64. Currently, it's 60th. So they didn't get a lot of love from from that Wake win. The S&P Plus hates Wake this year. Yeah. So it's it's hard to know how much they're getting out of a three-point win against Wake. But they did hold on to win. And for them and to get that win in a spot where they were down at the end and had to come back and score to win, yep. I thought it was pretty impressive. They start off 1-0. I think the biggest surprise for them was obviously the quarterback. If you looked at Athlon, which I, I am obviously a big Athlon fan, Hockman, who started the game, wasn't even listed as an option. Like, he wasn't in the two deep, and he wasn't in the little breakdown that they do either.
1: No, it was just that, you know, everybody had uh, Devin Leary in as the starting quarterback. He ended up... um contracting uh, covid or or he was in contact i don't know which one it yeah. was actually so he, he missed a in, lot of time so 21 days he had to go into quarantine that pushed uh hockman but it, i think even the two deep leading up to the game still showed leary as the starting quarterback you know they go out there hockman goes out um and you know if we want to start there you know he went sixteen for twenty three in the in the wins seventy percent completion percentage. He had a touchdown, interception, only took
0: one sack. Um, you know, it it was it could have been a lot worse for what most yeah, people thought. I mean, his QBR was seventy seven. Other than the pick six, he played a great game. At one point, he completed twelve passes in a row. Yeah, I mean, he was he was dealing. You know who he reminded me of was Michael Brewer. Brewer's smaller than him. Yeah. Like, but he moves kind of like him and was able to like roll and make some nice throws on the run. He even did some running himself. They ran the QB stretch play for him. Um, and that that's one of their bread and butters, it seemed like, was the stretch play in general. And uh man, he he looked great for a first start. And he's not some true freshman. I mean, he's a junior. He started his career at FSU, ended up at NC State, and uh man, he he proved his worth and if I'm leery at this moment, like I'm a little nervous about getting my job back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like uh against us,
1: it looks like right now Hawkman's going to be starting again. Like, you know, we it's day by day with everything in these things, but it looks like it's going to be him again. And just the the offense in general, and we'll get into some of the other positions, just looked a lot better than what we had been seeing last year from NC State. Um, Tim Beck came in, as you mentioned, um, he's new to the program, 463 yards, of total offense, you know, had four TD drives, I think of 75 yards or more, um, uh, in that game. And we'll see what wakes defense actually is over time and be able to evaluate that more, but that's a pretty good performance. They had last year, this team really struggled with longer plays and like in being able to achieve. They had 18 plays of 10 yards or longer, 11 of at least 20, and then 5 of 30 yards or more um, in yeah, that they
0: game. They could not get any explosive plays last year, mm-hmm. and that we saw way more just last night, I feel mm-hmm. like, than they had almost the entire season last year. Uh, their running game was on point. That, that was kind of the biggest thing. Yep. Ricky Person, Bam Knight, Jordan Houston, that three-headed monster uh, it poses a problem. They had 270 yards rushing as a team, 5.5 yards per carry. And that's, I think, what they're going to lean on. They obviously leaned on it against Wake because they could. But with a guy like Hawkman, a guy you're not expecting to be your starter, you're, you're going to lean on the running game. You're going to throw short passes, get, get the ball to the playmakers, let them make plays. And NC State coming into this year, although they had a terrible year last year, they were kind of set up with the guys they had returning, the guys coming back from injury to make a massive leap. In yards per play this year, they were 106 the last year, so they they were just awful. And with all these guys, Ricky Persons finally healthy, the the wide receivers mostly are veterans. I think they brought back like three of their top wide receivers, two senior tight ends. Like this is a team that all of a sudden, if you got a capable quarterback, it kind of scares me. It scares me a lot. I the the
1: running backs scare me the most by far. I mean, you said it, Pearson, Knight, uh, Houston. It was 14 runs, 11 runs, and 12 runs. 99 yards, 97 yards, and 54 yards um, for them, respectively. Th- that'll do it all day long. Why not lean on those guys? Those They have me really concerned about oh, our, our front defense and what that's going to happen in this game.
0: Yeah, and if you add in the wide receivers and the tight ends, I mean, it was four of their top five wide receivers are back. And then you had one tight end, I think, coming off injury and... One guy they call uh, a fullback is uh, Parham. So he, he looks like a tight end, but he's got a number 28 number. So he's, I guess he's a fullback. Uh, but yeah, they've got a lot of different guys they can move, uh, give the ball to. And the offensive line, four starters back. The fifth starter is a senior. And his backup is a senior. So <laughs> they've got a good, like deep, experienced offensive line. And they were literally blowing Wake off the ball on the first couple drives. Like I didn't make sense to me because wake returned just about their entire front seven on defense and NC state was making them look horrible. I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So that was a little frightening too. Uh, And that's why the running game was so good for them.
1: Yeah. And I think three of their five offensive linemen graded out like extremely well, like top on the team um, of everybody that, that played uh, Grant Gibson Um, was up there. He's their center, their left guard. I think he made ACC player of the week at uh, left guard. um, Ikum Aquano, I think is uh, how it's pronounced. And their right tackle, Justin Witt, is really good. They're just, that is, um, I mean, it's a deep, deep uh, offensive line as well. So there's there's a lot of talent on that side of the
0: ball. So overall on offense, uh, they're going to lean on the running game. I do think that plays a little bit into our strength because I, I would rather be going up against a strong running game than a strong passing game week one with the state of our corners, the state of our safeties. I think you'd agree with me, like bring on the run game. Uh, We'll see what happens month over month. Last year, techs run defense got better and better. We only gave up three yards per carry on average over our five November games. And so they can spread it around. They can do what they want, but I think the focus shall be shut down that run and let's see what happens. Yeah, it's
1: gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I mean, we're all gonna be looking at a new defense and what that front's gonna look like for Virginia Tech. So um, I'm hopeful. I I like you agree that I would rather be dealing with a lot of good running backs than uh, you know a, a very very extremely talented wide re- wide receiving core and a good quarterback. But it still gives me a little bit of pause because we don't know what we're going to see on Saturday, assuming we no. see the game.
0: No, we don't. Let's hop into their defense. Uh, they were 61st in the SP, Plus, uh, I think, coming into the season. They returned just three starters on defense. Uh, Tony Gibson, as I said, took over for D.C. He was the former West Virginia defensive coordinator. He's the one we played in 2017 when Josh Jackson started for us. He runs that three three five stack as they call it, and they're although they're missing a lot of guys, they do return their top three tacklers. It's the next five guys that they lost. So at the top, they they do have guys that can really tackle well, especially in their linebacking core. Yes, but uh, yeah, the production overall is not there. Yeah, the production from the D-line
1: is, I mean, they had six sacks in that game. We'll end up seeing what that actually means over the course of the year. Like I I said, only three of those came from the defensive line. Um, They kept Wake to 385 yards. That's still, you know, a a fair amount, Um, only 149 on the ground. I, I didn't see... You know, that much from the defensive line, but the linebackers definitely give me a little bit more pause. I think that's a, a talented group with, uh, Drake Thomas. He had 12 tackles in the game. Peyton Wilson, um, was third on the team in, in tackles. I think they, and they both had great stats last year as well to back it up. So I think that's, that's the group that could really, um, be interesting.
0: Yeah. I was listening to the pack pride podcast. Uh, we, we, we don't know them or have any affiliation with them, but I was listening to their pod and they were just gushing over the linebackers. They are talking about Pat, Peyton Wilson and Drake Thomas and how good both of those guys are going to be. And you look at the numbers they've been able to put up uh, last year and this year. I mean, I think Drake is only like a second a second year true sophomore. Yeah. And he had 12 tackles, like you said, and a sack. Wilson led the team last year as a freshman with 69 tackles. Nice. He's six foot four, 250 pounds. And then you got junior Isaiah Moore. He was third on the team, and he, they called him like the heart of the defense. Yeah. So it, it really is all about the middle of their defense and this solid linebacking crew. Because you also got the USC transfer of Vi Jones. Uh, they they've got more and more linebackers that they can bring in. But the defensive line, it doesn't really scare me. They they do have Ali McNeil. He made 13 All-ACC on Athlon going into the year. And the kid from Penn State, Daniel Joseph, six and a half tackles for loss in his first three years at Penn State. He had two sacks just the other night against Wake. So he might have finally gotten a chance to shine and done well. Or did they play a very bad Wake offensive line and offense in general who gave up six total sacks? I mean, that's kind of hard for me to figure out.
1: Yeah, it's hard to figure out. I'm just... It's you know looking at this Virginia Tech game and what we're going with. We have a very experienced, very talented offensive line, which makes me I feel really good about our running back core. We'll see what happens, um, you know, with with quarterback and the wide receivers. So um, if if their weaknesses on the defensive line, I feel like that gives us a little bit of of edge. We'll see, but the the linebackers definitely um, in the middle give me. Give me a little bit of pause, and they're they're definitely talented. The DBs, on the other hand, I you know it's hard to pick out a little out bit anybody. of a mess back there.
0: Yeah, it's like Ashford and Harris. Yeah, they only have one returning starter uh, in the defensive backs, and that's Tanner Ingle, and he didn't record a stat versus Wake. As far he participated, yes. <laughs> from what I read, but he didn't record a stat, uh, and he's their free safety. The up and comers are the ones to watch for for Wake. Jakeem Harris. Raheem Ashford and Cecil Powell. These are all young guys, very young, uh that are having to play right away. And there's just a very few upperclassmen you got Baker Williams, Tashawn Smith and Malik Dunlap has some decent experience. But Ashford was the one with 10 tackles versus Wake. Harris yep. had 8 and Battle had 5 and those are all the young guys. So with the five defensive backs, there are a lot of corners that I just went through. Um, And then you got Shaquem Harris playing the other safety spot opposite Engel. I think that's susceptible. If your DBs are giving up a lot of tackle numbers or getting a lot of tackle numbers, uh, that's generally not a good thing. Yeah, you might have one guy that is like a really good tackler and he comes up to line scrimmage and plays in run support. But if multiple guys have a lot of tackles in the back end, something's going wrong. Yeah,
1: I I think it's... It, I know the age difference in the DBs is much different, but the corollary back to Virginia Tech is actually pretty interesting in terms of at least concern about the front and the defensive line feeling really good about the linebackers. And I know the three three five is very different in the schematically, but and then the DBs for them and and for us in some respects is kind of um, is is probably biggest unknown i know we have yeah, some returning no, you're right. guys that, that's there. a good point so it's it'll be interesting to see um you know what the team's medals kind of made of when when we see it on the
0: field one thing i was hearing about gibson is that he's a good defensive coordinator or has been i i have i've always thought he's gotten way too much credit like i don't think he's that good of a coordinator but it was interesting because they said i forget who i was listening to they're like What he has to work with at NC State is far better than what he had at WVU. And I do kind of believe that. Um, I think you get a better class of athlete, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, coming out of North Carolina than they're able to recruit at West Virginia. No, West
1: Virginia definitely excels better in getting offensive firepower
0: and mm -hmm. wide receivers and things like that than they do on the defensive side. So that was interesting. And so— if he has a little bit more to work with, maybe he will put up something that's very difficult for us to deal with. And anytime a defense has two or three very good tackling linebackers, it makes things so difficult. Remember the Duke days with Humphreys and Giles Harris, like that team, those teams were never like that great, but those two guys alone made it so hard for us to, to get things going. And so that, scares me a little bit. The if you B- got a guy like The Drake BC and, days, uh, then those guys. Oh, yeah, mean, yeah. Oh, my like, God, yeah. All those BC linebackers. It, it can make things they can make. Fertile. They can make it hell. So I, I'm hoping that these guys are too young because what I think is going to happen with this defense is we're going to see what we saw against Wake Forest was, is breakdowns. We're going to see mental breakdowns, coverage breakdowns, and that will allow us to capitalize and kind of get some points on the board because – in a year or two, this defense could be really good because I think there's a lot of young kids here that have a lot of talent. But right now, the weakness on the D-line and the youth across the board and the back seven, I think, it or I guess back eight, <laughs> gives us a chance uh, in this game. Moving to their special teams, it's a pretty good group. Both their kicker and their punter made all ACC in Athlon. And Thayer Thomas was a second team all ACC punt returner. So they will com- be competing with us uh in special teams. Those are all the things that we're good at on special teams too. So <laughs> that w- that was interesting at least for them. But let's go to our keys overall for the game. Did you have any kind it's of be I don't know, I hate to throw it so much in the air, but like it
1: depends on whether we think Hooker Hooker's really going to start or whether he's not going to be Burmeister and whether he starts to to make that connection to take advantage of that backside against um you know, against NC state that we're hoping for Um, what the receiving core is going to look like um, coming out this year. I mean, I feel good about Robinson, obviously Turner. I feel good about Smith, the depth behind them. We kind of, you know, are waiting to see that come to fruition. So for me, this game really comes down to uh, us establishing the run game and the impact that maybe some talented linebackers from NC state have on that run game because I feel like that's probably um, you know, the the probably the best place that we can establish um, you know, four, five, six yard chunks at a time and really kind of eat up some of the clock, drain some time, have a long kind of um, you know, play down the field um every once in a while. But I just I just don't know what's gonna come from the passing game for us and to be able to take advantage of that what I think is a softer DB core for
0: NC state right now,
1: just until we see it.
0: I'm I'm with you. 100%. This game is all about winning the run game on both sides of the ball. And I, it's hard for me to think about a Virginia tech game and not attack it. Like I think Bud Foster would attack it because we're so used to that on the defensive side. And what would Bud do? Bud would be like, we're going to shut down the run. That's what we're going to focus on. And we're going to stay aggressive and get after the QB as much as possible. And I, I don't think we should deviate from that. You got a QB making his second start possibly, or Leary making just his ninth start or something. I mean, he yeah. didn't start very many games. I don't know how many it is, but and it's coming not out of
1: quarantine.
0: Yeah. And coming out of quarantine, you know, with a new offense. So Stay after the quarterback in this one. Stay aggressive. Send Jamar Connor on some blitzes. Get some guys around the edge from the linebacking core or the DBs, and make make them think twice about you know dropping back to pass. Offensively, don't try to do too much. This is exactly what you said. Lean on the massive O line. Lean on those four running backs, and just try to get to that two hundred yard mark rushing, maybe two fifty. Let Trey and Tavion make their plays. You know, Keep it simple for whoever the quarterback is. And if it's Hooker, great. If it's Burmeister, let him drop off a short slant to Tavion. Let him do his thing. We've got playmakers, Blackshear, Herbert, Robinson, Turner. Get them the ball. Let them make some moves. Make a guy miss, as Fuente always wants. Got to make the first guy miss. Let's do that in this game. And I, I do think if everything was normal, I feel like this is a double-digit win for Virginia Tech. Like If we were coming into the season, NC State was our first game. It was supposed to be our first game. Uh, I would have thought, fully healthy, we beat this team by 10, 14 points. And that was the spread initially. It was 10 points. It quickly moved down to 7. I don't know what to expect, but if we can have 85% of our normal starting team, uh, I think we we can win this game by a touchdown. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say
1: I like to look for things that we can take out. We have a small sample size, even smaller than usual in, in this year from every game. So people are trying to pick week three when most teams haven't even played a game or have played, um, have played only one. I think if, if there's a lot of passes downfield, by NC State that are successful, I think that's something that you can actually glean as a pl- problem for Virginia Tech. I mean, that is where my concern is, and NC State shouldn't be the ones to expose that. So Mm-mm. that is where I'll be focused on things that I can actually take away from the game. And I actually think that, you know, I understand about where our weakness really is versus what my perceived weakness is. Um, and if our offensive line doesn't control the line of scrimmage, then I would be extremely concerned. I mean, they should be, you know, massively overpowering the defensive line from NC State. So, from a Virginia Tech perspective, those are the things I'm going to be focused on, just to see if the positive is as positive as I think, or and is the concern I have as concerning as well.
0: Yeah, I think on defense, it could look bad. Like I, I do think that that's a definite possibility. Um, even if there was no COVID concerns, I think we could come out in this game. And with the way Hockman looked and the way that offensive line and running game looked, Frenzy State, like it could look pretty bad for a quarter or two. And nothing will surprise me in this game. I said it earlier. Like, I'm not going to overreact to anything with the way Fu described our prep and everything else that's gone on the last two weeks. I'm not going to overreact. But I am worried that it could snowball if they start to like, you know, they they scored 21 points on Wake, like in a snap, you know? So um, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. And I don't think Wake has a Ashby. I don't think, you know, Wake has a Waller. You know, I I don't think they have the playmakers like Crawford on the line. So I I think we'll be okay. Um, But I am prepared for there to be some bad moments.
1: Yeah, I'm also hoping that, I'm also going to be watching the penalties just from some of the verbiage that came out today in terms of the energy, which I love, by the way, of the guys getting ready for the game is keeping your head on straight, avoid you know dead ball penalties, avoid you know any personal fouls, any of that kind of stuff. Um, there's going to be a bunch and more than any of us are really comfortable with, but I hope it's on the lower half of that. I mean, there's teams that are coming out. I think somebody had like 18 or like 20 like penalties like last week. Right. It's just, it's, it's tough because there's been so much and there's so much energy that you're putting out on the field. Um,
0: that's another thing that I'll be kind of focused on. To that end, we have 44 juniors and seniors on Virginia tech to NC state's 35. That might not sound like a massive difference, but that's more than 25% more than they have. So we are the more veteran team by a fairly significant margin. A lot of those guys for us are playing, you know, starters, and hopefully they're on the field. But if not, they are in the locker room and they have been influencing this team. So I always think it's in a, in a situation like that, it's always better to have the more veteran team. Let's take a quick beer break before we get to our picks, Robbie. What are you drinking? So I've already
1: had this on the podcast, but I couldn't I couldn't find a second one that I like, so I just went with it. I'm having the Firestone Mine Haze IPA. Firestone Walker Brewing Company, which some of their better beers are becoming harder and harder to find. This one's easily and readily available. 6.2% versus the 6.3% beer I had before. A hazy IPA, easy to find, at least in Virginia or Northern Virginia, I should say. And it's from one of my favorite breweries that I don't get to drink a lot of beers out of, because I think uh, Firestone's Oregon, if I'm not mistaken, and it's delicious.
0: California, Oregon, one of those
1: two. Yeah, it's it's one of the places that's it's going through a lot of tough times right now with all, all that's happening out there. But it's it's delicious. How about you?
0: I am I'm the only doing the center tonight. I'm I'm sticking to the one beer. Uh but i I had that mind haze and that reminds me of like when we used to do the, the same beers, like every podcast we we'd get together at Robbie's apartment. We'd both like share a couple of six packs and it was really fun because we were both sampling the same beer and getting our two different reactions to it. And so I'm glad that you enjoyed that one because I enjoyed it a lot when I had, I feel like I might've been in the spring or last winter. I'm not sure, but that mind haze I thought was pretty good.
1: It'd be an interesting question for any of our listeners, whether they want us to have the same beer. Like, I I don't know (laughs) if that would be like boring and kind of like, you know, just for us. But we haven't compared the same beer uh, since their first year, year and a half of the podcast.
0: Well, yeah. And I would make sure I would always Metro out to Robbie's house because by the end of the, every podcast, like definitely couldn't drive. And sometimes it was like <laughs> even getting on my Metro car was, uh, <laughs> was uh, difficult. Um, but those were those were good times. That was yeah. that was first season, I think maybe yep. second season. We, we kept doing that, but that was fun. All right, let's get to these picks. There's some a couple games outside the ACC and they're actually going to jump into the opening weekend of the SEC. Yes, it's back. Florida at Ole Miss. And the intriguing thing about this game is you got Lane Kiffin on one of the sidelines. No.
1: I'm going Ole Miss. I'm going I'm I'm riding the Kiff train. You're so, going to take them plus 14 and a half? Yeah, I think so. I the- Seems like a lot of points. The Florida hype has gotten a little bit. Maybe I'm just being stupid and making a pick just because of out of you know spite or something like that. But the Florida hype has gotten a little overwhelming considering they haven't taken a
0: snap yet. So I'm I'm going to ride the the Kiff train. The one thing that worries me about Kiffin is uh didn't he one? I, I'm not the biggest Kiffin fan. I think you like him a little bit more than me. Oh no, I hate uh, him as a person. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no,
1: absolutely despise him as a person, but. I, he's really good. I mean, they're, they're like, you can't like, it's hard to, he knows how to run an offense pretty, pretty well.
0: He so. does. He does. I think he changed his quarterback though. Right? Like they, yeah. they went away from Plumley. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Florida just because they've got a lot of consistency on the roster coming back into this year. And yeah, the hype is probably a little overblown, especially when you consider all the conference games they have to play this year, all those sec teams, are probably going to take more losses than they ever normally do. Um, But I'm going to take Florida to cover the 14 and a half. Next game, another intriguing new coach in the SEC. Mike (laughs) Leach takes on the defending national champions. LSU, big 17-point favorites in this one. Well, I like Mike Leach just because he's funny.
1: and I I try not to take him too seriously. It's
0: hard not to like Mike Leach. Yeah, so I'm
1: I'm going Mississippi State. And that's more so just because of the I didn't pay that much attention to it. You paid actually more attention to it. As of late, I've heard more and more about everything that LSU is replacing, whether it's defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, all of the talent that they lost, and it being game one coming out of kind of COVID. I think that gives Mississippi State a chance to keep this within like fourteen. LSU is certainly going to win the game. I just think that they might be able to, you know, have a backdoor cover or something along those lines.
0: I'm with you. I like Mississippi State to cover, even though it's a first coach and the COVID off season, like first year coach for Leach, like getting that offense implemented isn't going to be easy. But I mean, you just look up and down the roster, up and down the coaching staff for LSU, the championship hangover, you know, like all of that type of stuff. And I know they've recruited a ridiculous level. But getting all that on track in a short off season and just losing the Blitnikoff Award winner, who you thought you would have, you know, like two or three weeks ago, that's tough. So I like Mississippi State to cover, and uh, you never know, Leach could pull the miracle and and upset them, but we'll we'll see. Next game, Louisville at Pitt. This is actually pretty intriguing. Coming off Louisville's loss to Miami, how they'll respond. Pitt took down Syracuse, wasn't the most impressive performance, but their defense. Seems like the real deal. Narduzzi has has got them up and running on D. Pitt is two and a half point favorites at home. I'll go first this time. I like Louisville. I think they bounce back. I I guess I'm taking them to win if it's only two and a half, uh, and it's tough to win at Pitt. Uh, but I just it's hard for me with Kenny Pickett. Like I just can't quite. Get on board the Kenny Pickett train that uh, that our buddy Braden Gall over at Athlon always liked him a lot. I, I don't I don't know what that's about. I'm going to go with Louisville. I think they bounce back in a big way. I think this they're going to test that Pitt defense quite a bit. Yeah, I I don't have that. I have Pitt, and that's only
1: because I the Pitt defense looks legit. And in that first game that they played, their rushing offense looked really good. And I don't know Louisville can stop that. Um, or Louisville. That's fair. Um, that is so. Fair. Um, we'll see. But I, I'm going to be on the opposite side, and it's not a fun side to be on on uh,
0: Pitt's side. But I mean, Louisville really needs this one, right? I mean, yeah. if they if they go 0 and 2 to start ACC play, that's a, that's a bad. Look. Yeah, they're in, they're in big trouble. So next game is GT at Syracuse. This is kind of a weird game. Syracuse, eight and a half point underdogs at home. Our favorite place to play at home. <laughs> I'm taking Syracuse because uh GT, they they beat FSU, they hung tough against UCF. Now they gotta go all the way up north. I just think it's a bad recipe. And if you're giving me more than a touchdown in the dome, I'm gonna take Q's. I took Syracuse as well. So
1: um uh I could see this being something akin to the Florida State game, basically. <laughs> like Do you don't you see this like <laughs>
0: you know, like 10 to three yeah. or something. No, like that's like. what
1: I meant. Like, what was yeah. what was the Florida State game? 16-13,
0: 16-13, yeah. So I could see it being just like that. Yeah. Next game, another a- SEC game. We got UK taking on Auburn. Our buddy uh, Mike Drake is high on his Kentucky Wildcats this year. Uh, he thinks they're going to beat Auburn straight up. I am going to take UK to cover the seven and a half, um, and I do think there's probably a little bit of Auburn overhype. I have UK as well.
1: I've, I've listened to a lot more podcasts about them and they're not so much substantive. I think they're more just like what UK is starting to build and they have mm-hmm. been um, and less about the team that's actually on the field. So this could backfire greatly, but I'm on, I'm on UK for right now until we see something
0: on the field funny you say that because that's true like uk is now in a position where stoops has got them like their culture and their development is almost like it's not a reloading like a clemson reloading nah. but it's starting to, but it's like that next tier down like virginia tech back in the day where it's like you know tech's gonna have a solid team yeah i don't know who the running back's gonna be i don't know who the quarterback's gonna be but you know they're gonna be solid and that's kind of where uk's at right that's now. exactly right yeah you're just like you, you have confidence in what the team's gonna perform you
1: know they're not gonna be crazy good, but you know they're going to be decent enough.
0: Next game, Duke at UVA. UVA is 5 point favorites. It started a little bit higher than that. Uh UVA hasn't played a game yet either. And so it's it's kind of an unknown what we'll see at quarterback and and what we'll see, you know, replacing a lot of talent on that team. I like UVA to cover only because I'm going to stick with my Duke is bad take. <laughs> you have to. I'm going to
1: pick Duke in this game. And it's more just, um, I don't know. I just, the first game out, I don't know what UVA has. I think Cutcliffe can at least
0: use this as a a bounce
1: back after not a great performance whatsoever.
0: Let me say it would be fantastic. If Duke after getting crushed by BC came out and beat UVA, (laughs) that would be simply amazing. And the last game we'll pick is the rivalry down in Florida, Florida state at Miami, Miami coming off the big win. FSU got a week off to lick their wounds, I guess. And, um, Miami 11 and a half point favorites. I don't think, uh, this is what scares me. I don't think anyone could take FSU, <laughs> but that's why it's scary, right? It's, <laughs> it's completely scary. I if, put
1: this in perspective. So Virginia tech opened as an 11 point favorite over NC state, right? Like, and here you have a Miami team that's already proven twice on the field that they're pretty good against and FSU has shown at least once that they are not good at all and they haven't solved many of the problems that we've been And they won't about. have their head coach. Yeah. And it's a <laughs> 11 and a half point spread. Uh, this is just I guess befuddling. that's just
0: rivalry. Yeah. You know, it's just a rivalry
1: game, I guess. So, and, I I took Miami. Listen. I'm I'm an idiot. I know I know <laughs> Vegas knows more and this FSU's somehow going to like Use the rivalry to keep this within like some, like a, it'll be like 10 points and I'll just feel like an idiot. But I'm, I'm going to yeah. go with Miami, I guess.
0: I think what the line is telling us is that FSU's defense is legitimate. It, it's, it's a very talented, pretty good crew. And if you look at what their defense can do compared to like UAB and what UAB was able to do against Miami for a while, uh, yeah, Florida State could do that. And they could keep it to ten, but I also think that you could watch that first quarter and pick f s u to against the eleven and a half and be like, "What was I thinking yeah <laughs> like and I think it could happen real fast, yeah. so I think when Miami is riding high like this, you ride it until it breaks uh, and 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 that might be against Clemson in a week, yeah. but right now, I think you gotta take Miami all right. So yeah, that's that's it for the picks. I am beyond excited to to watch our team, whoever it could be on the field on Saturday night. I'll be at my mom, she does have Fios, so I will be able to watch the game. But uh but yeah, I, I I was telling you, I guess it was last week. I'm like, man, they put the game at eight o'clock. Like now we got to wait all day. Like sometimes I just want it to be the noon game so I can watch it. Yeah, you just get all the hate out of your body
1: uh, if it goes bad and relax or, like, for the other games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I'll be nervous. I'll be nervous pretty much between this recording and the actual game. But on Saturday, I will be extremely nervous, more so than than ever. I think watching this team come out after Beamer left is like kind of like, you know, one level of nervousness now with Bud Foster gone and seeing like (laughs) the first look at what like, and I know it's not going to change dramatically. Like it's not going to be that much, but there's a lack of comfort that I have going in. That Mm -hmm. used to be something I could at least lean back on, especially when it was like, halfway through the second quarter and a team was up by like 21 i could always just like look at my wife and be like well you know bud's gonna adjust you know at halftime and you know he'll shut that down it's just a matter of whether we could score and then whether we scored or we didn't dictated the game at that point we'll see hopefully justin hamilton has that same uh you know talent
0: as well i'm really glad that nc state played and played at a time that I was able to watch the game because it put the proper amount of fear in me and probably the players and the coaches on our team. Like Not that they weren't prepping properly, but I think it always helps to see a team play and play well and be like, okay, we're going to have to guard this guy. We're going to have to watch this. Oh, that running play, that seems to be working for them. Like, So I'm happy I saw that. I'm happy they won. Because I want them. I mean, if you listen to that podcast I was telling about, the Pack Pride podcast. I mean, they're on cloud nine, baby. Like they they are loving life over a win against a very mediocre Wake team. So I think <clears throat> I think that Tech, if they like, I said eighty eighty percent of our regular guys that play, I think will go out there. It might be tough for a little bit, but I, I think we're gonna win, and they won't be. The most overwhelming, convincing, whatever, but you come away being like, all right, this team can play. This team has a chance to do something special this year.
1: That's what I'm hoping.
0: Okay, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DeepVT. Our website, you can stream all the podcasts and check out all the beers we've had. It's 2DeepVT.com. Make sure to email us at 2DeepVT at gmail.com and follow us at 2DeepVT on Instagram. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. We need a couple more five star ratings uh, to to get us up to that five. We dropped to a four and a half after we were called beta lips. So we're trying <laughs> we're trying to get back up. Um, and I guess until next time, until hopefully we're celebrating a huge victory over the NC State Wolfpack. Go Hokies!